But Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to, to meet. And uh, we just pray that you would uh, enlighten us, Lord, with regard to really what is the expansion of the kingdom, which is the focus of this. No matter what we talk about, the, 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 the goal is that we'd be able to communicate you to, uh, to people. Lord. That gets filtered through each one of us to help us, Lord, to realize that there's no necessarily techniques that we're learning. Lord, that each one of us, you've given a personality and a way to reach people that no one else here can reach. And so I pray that you would just show us um, anything new you want to, to add to us, Lord, and just speak through, through Judy in these upcoming weeks, Lord. And we just thank you for this time in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 So Judy will be uh, will be will be talking tonight, and uh, then Dr. Bill Yorker will be here next week, and then Judy will be here the week after. She'll tell you what's going to happen happen there. So okay. So this or the fourth tonight we're going to talk about um, evangelism in general, and then evangelism specifically um, when you're speaking to Jewish people. So the emphasis is going to be mostly on that. Um, next week, Bill Bjorka is going to be here. I know some of you know him, some of you don't. And he he's in ministry in Cal, Southern Cal. And um, he's a Gentile, and he shares the gospel with Jewish people. He's got a lot of experience doing that. And that's why we wanted him to share with you guys, because I think you can learn a lot from him. And he's also going to be sharing a little bit about Kabbalah. Does anybody know what Kabbalah is? It's kind of a tricky thing. Um, yes. Most people don't know a whole lot about it. There's, it's Jewish mysticism, and he he knows more about it than I do. So he's going to tell you about it, what he knows. So I think it'll be really interesting. The week after that, I'll be here and I'll be sharing specifics as far as how do you talk to Jewish people? What do you say? What do you not say? and a little bit more detail um, in that regard. And then the fourth week, it's going to be questions and answers. So you could bring all your questions that night, and the rabbis will both be here. And so hopefully you'll get the answers you need, because I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And chances are there will be questions that I can't answer. So it'll be, it, it should be fun, though, because you know we get to hear from you. Um, so anyway, that's what it's that's what it's going to look like. And um, tonight, I'm going to start by playing a song for you. So I hope you, you can hear it. I got this little speaker here. Um, and you're going to listen to the song, and you're going to think, where the heck is she going with that? And I'm not going to tell you right away. So listen to it, put it away in your mind for a little while, and I will come back to it. Okay? So here we go. Let me get. Let me wake up my computer here. And by the way, it's a, a it's a Hawaiian guy that's singing. Okay, here we go. And you've heard the song before. It's actually from The Wizard of Oz, which makes it even more weird that I'm playing it. <laughs> and by the way, thank you all for coming tonight. Okay, here we go.
resurrected and he met with his disciples and what did he tell them right go make disciples so the word for disciples I unfortunately I spelled it wrong when I wrote the, the Hebrew but that's okay the word for disciples in Hebrew is Talmudim and Talmudim are students so I thought about that and I thought you know that's really interesting because that indicates to me that when we share the gospel with people, we don't just throw our knowledge, our biblical knowledge of people. And we don't try to prove to them that they're wrong in their beliefs and we're right. We, we, have, we have relationships with people and we teach them about what we know about God. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting way to look at it. And um, in the Greek, it means that you're an adherent to the Messiah. It's the usage of it in the New Testament. So um, I think that we should think about that. I mean, sometimes we have brief encounters with people and we never see them again, and that's kind of different than when you have an ongoing relationship with people and you can, uh, you know, build on that relationship and, and share a little bit at a time as you spend time with them. And sometimes you can't do that when you have a brief encounter with someone and you never see them again. So in that case, you try to leave them with something, some thought, some challenging thought that will make them think about what you're saying to them. Um, and then in Romans it tells us that we are more than conquerors. So we should be confident that we can... Um, 
we can do this. We can we can share we can share the good news about the Lord with um, people that we come in contact with. And then in Second Corinthians, that verse that I wrote down there talks about that our competence comes from God. So we need to rely on that and not on ourselves, and know that God uses us. God speaks through us, um, and when we rely on Him, He gives us the words to say. And then in Zechariah, it says, not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So we need to be filled with the spirit. We need to be led by the spirit. And I'm sure that you've all had experiences where you've shared with somebody and you say things and you think to yourself, where did that come from? Because at the moment that you need it, God is there and he, and he helps you. So that's kind of the general stuff that I was going to say about um, witnessing. But now we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about when we witness to Jewish people. So has anybody had the experience of witnessing to a Jewish person? I know you guys have. David has. Some of you have. Did you think it was easy? It's challenging, isn't it? It's, it? It can be really challenging. So there are things that if you know um, about how Jewish people think and how, about how they feel, It'll, it'll help you, and so that's why, that's why I'm here tonight to try to help you with that. So to start out, I wanted to mention the Shema, and we say that every week in our service. Well, Jewish people say it all the time in the synagogue, all the time. I mean, it's like ingrained in you when you're Jewish. I mean, you just, it's just part of you. It's like saying mama and dada. When you're Jewish, you know the Shema. Everybody knows it, if they've ever been in the synagogue. I mean, and that's another thing we'll talk about. There's a lot of differences with Jewish people. They're not all the same. So we'll talk about that, too. So the Shema says that God is one, right? This is really important to Jewish people, that God is one. So do you see how that could be a problem right off the bat? Wait a minute. Jesus is another God. He's not our God. And, you know, a, a lot of people, Jew, Jewish people know that Christians believe in the Trinity. Well, Jewish people don't believe in three gods. Jewish people believe in one God. So right off the bat, you have this huge problem that you have to overcome. So I mention it to you not to deter you, but to help you to understand and um, just to be sensitive to it and know that as soon as you start talking about Jesus, their mind is thinking, oh no, that's some other God, that's not our God. The Gentile God. <laughs> what? The Gentile God. The Gentile God. Yep. That's, that's right. right. That's exactly right, Rosemary. And he's a false God. So, and then if you look on your paper underneath where the Shema is, there are some verses in Deuteronomy. So. Um, we're going to look up some of the verses. I don't know if I'll have time to look up all the verses that I put on here, but I, I wrote them out mostly. So um, let me see. We'll, we'll just take one from Deuteronomy. <coughs> let's, let's do uh, Deuteronomy 12.31. Would somebody like to either read it from my page or look it up in your Bible, either one? I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Somebody want to volunteer? You must not worship the Lord your God fairly, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. 
Okay, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And so are the other verses, if you look at them. Now, not all Jewish people are going to know these verses, but the religious Jews will. And since I mentioned religious Jews, let me just tell you that there are different kinds of Orthodox Jews. There's religious Jews. There's kind of eh Jews. There's Jews that go to the synagogue every week. There's Jews that never go to the synagogue, but they celebrate the holidays. There's Jews that don't celebrate any of the holidays. I have a, I, I have a friend who I met at one of our outreach events, and um, she told me that her family, they was um, socialists, like at the turn of the century, when they came to this country, and so they weren't religious at all. So she grew up with no religion, but she's Jewish. And when I started talking to her about Yeshua, she said to me, oh, I can't believe that, number one, because she's Jewish. And every Jewish person thinks Jesus, just like Rosemary said, is a Gentile God. And Jewish people don't believe in Jesus. So she said to me, oh, I can't believe that because I have my mother who passed away sitting on one shoulder and my grandmother on the other. So even though she had no religious upbringing whatsoever, she still felt that way. And um, there's uh, Jewish people that uh, Carolee comes into contact with when she goes to New Age festivals. Mm -hmm. There are Jewish Buddhists. There's every kind of Jewish person you can imagine. And some of, them, some of them are very orthodox, and they know the scriptures really well. So they would relate to these verses from Deuteronomy. But then someone like my friend, who didn't have any religious upbringing and never went to the synagogue, she wouldn't know this. So, and so another point is that a lot of people think that all the Jews know the Old Testament. They don't. If they're very religious, they do. But if they're not, they don't. So you can't assume when you're talking to a Jewish person, if you start talking about scripture, that they're going to know what you're talking about. I grew up in the synagogue. I never even heard about those sacrifices that were done in the temple. I had no clue. I never heard anything about it. So if you, you know, you might be talking to a Jewish person and you might want to say, well, you know, there's no more sacrifices. And they might look at you like you, you have three heads because they don't know what you're talking about. So you, you can never assume unless right off the bat you know that they're super religious, you cannot assume that they know the scriptures. So just keep that in mind. Okay, so number one, we know Jewish people in their minds, they're very stuck on there's only one God, which we all agree with them, right? There is only one God. However, we know that there's the Holy Spirit, and we know that, that Yeshua I, I like to tell Jewish people, you know what? God just decided to come to earth. He had something special to do. And then went back up to heaven. It was just God manifested himself in another way. That's how I like to describe it. Because I don't, I, I don't want them to think that I'm trying to say there's, there's, there's three gods. And so I think that helps them understand that, that we don't say that. One thing I'm thinking, though, because I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. When the... the the stumbling comes with about dying because then you're saying God died, and, and that becomes an issue. Um, There's a lot of issues, and we're going to talk about mm -hmm. them not next week, but the week after. There's a lot of objections, common Jewish objections, and I have a whole list of them, so I'm going to share them with you. And I might tap into you guys because these two have um, orthodox relatives. 
Yeah. So they've had some experiences with, with very orthodox, very religious Jewish people, so you guys might be able to share some stuff with us. Um, ne not next week when Bill's here, but the week after. When we talk about common objections. Okay? So um, another, another thing, and this is going to get us to the song, another thing that's a problem is that the Jewish people have been persecuted for mm -hmm. centuries. I, I think they're the most persecuted people that ever existed. Mm -hmm. yeah. The persecution, it's just gone on and on and on. Yes. So I listed some for you, but the most recent one is the Holocaust. Because the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades. Well, I, I'm very familiar with the Spanish yeah, Inquisition. Rosemary Spanish. I study the Spanish Inquisition. But I mean, I kind of feel like that's almost ancient history. No, it's no. Because it happened a long time ago. It's a lot of Sephardi Jews. Yeah, I know, I know. But the, but the thing yeah. is, the Holocaust, it's not even 100 years. There's still people alive today that experienced it. And then there's second generation people like Rabbi Chaim, the pain is, is mm -hmm. intense. Mm -hmm. It's intense. It, it's hard to put it into words. And um, it, it's, it scarred the Jewish soul. So people that you meet that are Jewish, they have this, they have this in their mind and it, it, you can't dismiss it. It was unbelievably bad and I'm sure you all know that. Um, and a lot of times when you're witnessing to Jewish people, they, they may bring that up. And some Jewish people, because of the Holocaust, don't believe in God. I mean, it, it destroyed their, their faith, some of them, because it was so bad. And, and, you know, they feel like, how could God allow this to happen? We're supposed to be his people. And then, you know, it's just, and I have, I have done some reading um, by some Jewish people that are believers that try to, try to address this issue. And I'm telling you, I have not read one thing that made me feel like, oh, now I understand why it happened. Now I get it. There's no getting it. So if you, if you are talking to a Jewish person and this subject comes up, don't try to, you know, explain it away because you can't. You really can't. Um, and it's a problem. It's a problem because they think that the people that believed in Jesus did this to our people, right. did this to us. They call us they so call why would they want to believe in this guy? Right. Number one is another God, not the one God. And the people that believe in him did this to us. So this is a big problem. Yeah, and also the, because they say, well, we, uh, I said, Jewish people, they killed Jesus, mm -hmm. they're Christ killed. Oh, yeah. That is, that's another thing. I first time when I tried to witness to somebody, mm -hmm. he said, no. Why are we, why are we believing Jesus? He called us Christ killers. Yeah, that's another one, Rosemary. That's one of the blessings. So anyway, that brings us to the song. So um, this page, this dark page, which I wish it didn't come out so dark, has the words to the song. And the thing is that this song was written by two Jewish men. And it was actually written before the Holocaust, but it was written in the, in the 20th century. And we're not going to read it all, but if you go about 12 lines up on the left side of the margin where it says somewhere, you see that? 
Those are the words to the song. And when I found out that two Jewish men wrote this song, and I read the words to the song, I cried. It, it just killed me because all I could think of was the Jews in Europe and what they experienced being in the concentration camps, being in the ghettos, and how these words were like, why can't we fly away and go over the rainbow and get away from this horrific experience? And that's what that song means to me. And so what I'm, the reason I wanted to share that with you is because I want you to have a sensitivity to this because you need it. Most of the Disney songs were written by the Sherman brothers, who were Jews. Yeah, there's a lot of songs that were written by Jews. Uh, it's a Small World. They were specifically oh. from the Jewish nation mm -hmm. for the uh, World's Fair. Okay, well thank you for adding that. So anyway, you can read this another time. Take it home and read it. Oh, and by the way, there's also an another sheet on here that we're not going to do anything with tonight, but it's just for your information, and it's the pre-evangelism one. It comes for, from Jews for Jesus, and it's really not specific to Jewish people, but um, it came in the, in the Jews for Jesus newsletter this month um, in anticipation of Passover, because whenever there's a Jewish holiday, the Jews for Jesus, um, they intensify their efforts. But it's really interesting, and I, I thought you would enjoy reading it, so that's why I gave you that. And it has to do with what we were talking about in the beginning, relationships, with building relationships with people. Okay? So anyway, let's get back to the other page. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to tell you a story about the New Testament because... The New Testament is like off-limits to Jewish people, and especially if they're religious, because their rabbis tell them it's evil, mm -hmm. and you can't read it, you're not allowed to read it. Mm -hmm. So how, how can they read about Yeshua? All the stories about Yeshua and the things he did and where he came from and all of that is in the New Testament, and they can't read it. So there's an there's a, uh, Israeli guy named Guy Cohen, and he's with um, Harvest, of Asher, um, Harvest of Asher, right? I'm asking you, David. I've never heard of Well, we support his ministry, but I didn't know it when I met him. And actually, I wasn't attending CYT when I met him. I met him at a Messianic conference in California. And he shared his testimony with us, and it was fascinating. So he was very religious, orthodox, and he was told, you can't read the New Testament. And um, he was reading the passage in, I'm trying to remember, I think it's Zechariah that talks about how the Messiah was going to come into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh. Mm -hmm. And he read that, and it got his attention. And he asked his rabbi about it. And his rabbi said, oh, no, no, that's, that's not a donkey. That's just like some mode of transportation. It's not necessarily a donkey. <coughs> and he didn't go for that explanation. And a lot of times the rabbis will take passages that we accept, and they'll come up with some other interpretation of it because if it leads you to think that maybe Yeshua really is a Messiah, they don't want you to think that. So they do that. It's common. And there's lots of other examples I can give you. So anyway, his rabbi told him, oh, no, no, that's just some other, it's just a mode of transportation. And he didn't like that answer. And it bothered him. So one day he was at work. And it was a beautiful day, kind of like today. 
and he had his lunch hour and he went out uh, just to get some fresh air and there wasn't anybody around he said and all of a sudden this man walked up to him from out, like out of nowhere and he had a New Testament in his hand and he came up to Guy and he gave him the New Testament and then he was gone Gideon. and he read the New Testament and when he read the New Testament he got saved so you know it's um, pretty important for Jewish people to be able to read the New Testament and the way that we can help them with that is to tell them that look the whole book is written by Jews it takes place in Israel Yeshua was Jewish all of his disciples were Jewish and you know I I was talking to a friend of mine once who was my best friend when I got saved and she's Jewish she's not a believer and I said you know in Rome the the uh, Basilica what is it Peter St. Peter's Basilica I said do you know that guy St. Peter was Jewish <laughs> she just looked at me like I was nuts <laughs> so it's it's really helpful if you can let them know that you may think that the New Testament is a bad book but it's very Jewish and they may not they're not going to accept Yeshua on the spot just because you said that, but they might be curious and it might it might lead them to think, well, maybe I should read it. Maybe they would be open to you offering them one to read. You never know. Um, so that's why that's there, the New Testament. And then, um, oh. So another, Judy, what would be a fair way to ask that for them? Would you be interested? Would you be willing? What, how would you present that to um, them? One of the things I think of is Yeshua is not from Matthew to Revelation. He's from Genesis to Revelation. He is, he's present in it all. But they but you can't say, I don't know. Well, you know, it just really depends on the person, their, their background, if they know anything about Scripture at all. Because they might know the Old Testament, they might not. Okay. So it really depends. Yeah. There's no one answer. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I no, wish no, there was. Yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, another, another problem with Jewish people is even if they would be open to considering thinking about the possibility that Yeshua is the Messiah, it's kind of hard for them to give into that because if they do believe it, all their friends are going to think, you're a traitor. Exactly. You know, you're, you're not Jewish anymore. And some people get rejected by their family, and this is a serious issue. And um, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, who comes to our congregation occasionally, once in a while, he's a Jewish believer. His family totally rejected him. His father, he got saved when he was a young man. He's, I don't know, 70-something now, I think. His father never spoke to him again. He went through his whole life without a relationship with his father. So this is, this is a big deal to Jewish people. Um, so all of these things you have to keep in mind and, and be sensitive about that. Okay, so let's move on. Now we're going to talk about something that is a mystery. Um, and it's what the scripture says about Yeshua being a stumbling block to Jewish people. Um, so in Romans 9 through 11, which I encourage you all to read before you come next week, Romans 9 through 11 is Paul's discourse on his strong desire 
for his people to come to know the Lord. And it's, it's really, it's so impactful. It, it's just, I, I don't know how else to say it. It's extremely impactful. Um, he, and you know, Paul is very logical, especially in Romans. It's very, it's one logical thought after another. And what he does is he talks about Jewish people, how he wishes that they would come to know the Lord, how he would give up his own salvation for them to come to know the Lord. And then he talks about, which, which is really interesting, and I think you'll find it very interesting, God's plan. How God allowed them to be in rejection so that the Gentiles could get saved. And then he talks about how it's God's plan for the Gentiles to take that message back to the Jewish people. So it's kind of like Jewish people started out to be a light to the nations. Then some believed, but a lot didn't. The majority didn't. So now the Gentiles have the message, and the Gentiles are to be a light to everyone, but also to the Jews. Because the Jews were the, the medium, medium that God used to bring salvation to the whole world. And um, now that you guys have it, you need to take it back to them. So that's, that's uh, Romans 9 through 11 in a nutshell, but it's, it's much more detailed than that, and it's, it's really beautiful. And at the end of his explanation of this, he just praises God for God's plan. And, and some, of it is, some of it's a little hard to understand. There are verses in there that you think, ooh, I don't get that. And that's why I call it a mystery. So um, I think maybe we could read a couple of those verses. So I'm going to skip ahead to the second page where I have some verses written down from Romans 9, 11, about in the middle of the page. And let's read a few of those. So would someone like to read Romans 9, 1 through 3? I say the truth in Messiah, I do not lie. My conscience bears me witness in the Ruach HaKodesh that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accused from Messiah for my brethren, my um, <clears throat> my, uh, I'm not sure what this word is, okay, I think it's a real mistake, according to the, according to the flesh, who are Israel, rights. Okay, thanks, Michael. Um, that wasn't everything, that was only, oh, okay. oh, wait, yeah, I guess it was. Was it? And then, yeah. can somebody get 10-1? Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Okay, great. And how about 11.13? I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. Okay, thank you. Um, so let's go back for a minute to the bottom of page one, where it talks about the stumbling block. 
because there are verses in Scripture, and I don't know if you guys have ever come across any of them, but they're really, they're kind of hard to swallow. Um, so in that 9 through 11 passage in Romans, Paul quotes Isaiah 28:16, and he says, it says in Isaiah 28:16, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. And then in Isaiah 8.14, that says, But to both houses of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over. And then in Peter 2.8, it says, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they that stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom, he was talking about Jews, to this doom they were also appointed. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, We preach Messiah crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. So God is telling us there that Yeshua is a stumbling block. And we kind of experience that, right? When we try to tell them about him. And it, I mean, God, through the prophets, he prophesied that that was going to be the case. It's a little hard, to, it's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? And I don't really fully understand it. I'm not, um, I didn't go to uh, seminary, and uh, <laughs> I'm not, a, you know, I've done a lot of Bible study, but I can't, ex- I can't fully explain it. That's why I call it a mystery. Well, but, and but there's, it is there's lots of mysteries that make tension in the Bible, and they're okay if you accept them that way sometimes, exactly. because not everything can always can't be figure it all reconciled out. or figured. Right. It's yeah. okay if there's tension, I think. Yeah. Tension is a necessary part of life. Yeah, so. I think we have to accept it, like Michael said, for sure. And we can't always understand it, but that's the way it is. Um, all right. Um, so that's the mystery. And we know now that, and when you read Romans 9 through 11, if you do, it'll be really obvious to you that it's God's plan for the Gentiles to take, to take the gospel back to the Jewish people. And I think it'll, I think it'll motivate you. I really do. It, it's, it's just an amazing passage. And then um, next week, Bill will be talking about how he has put it into practice. So I think that'll be really good. Um, so... You know, you could read through this yourselves, and you can look up some of the verses if we didn't look them up. Um, so, I think I'm going to be finished early tonight, but that's good because we can. You guys could ask questions if you want. You can maybe discuss some of this stuff a little bit. Um, so, at the at the end of at the end of my notes here, I put some of the demographics, which I looked them up probably five years ago. So I don't know how accurate they are. But it'll give you an idea. It's close to accurate. It could have changed a little bit. So you see there that there's 14 million Jews in the world today. And then you can see Israel's population, how it's, how it's um, broken down into orthodox, religious. I'm not sure what the traditionalist is supposed to be, actually. I got that from some website or something. Do you know, Avraham? Do you know? 
Politics. Oh, politics? Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad you're here to tell me that. And then if you look at the, the U.S. population of Jewish people, I think that's really interesting. Of course, New York is the largest, the largest concentration. Um, but look at what we have in Denver. So there's a lot of Jewish people in Denver that you could be witnessing to. It's probably more now. It could be. <laughs> it could be. I, Rabbi Chaim has a has a number too, and I don't know what it is. I've seen it less than this. It seems less, right? I've seen it less, but there are people moving here for sure. Well, yeah, but this is I got that five years ago, so. There's also a recent article. I think Carly, you sent it to me. How several Israeli restaurants yes. have moved in. Yes, yes. I got so. that t email too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So anyway, I think you know what we all should do is ask God, pray for openings, pray for, pray that we encounter Jewish people, and then pray that he gives us openings so that we can start sharing with them. And it may not be right away. It may be after they get to know you a little bit. I mean, they have to trust you, and they don't want to feel like, I mean, if you push too hard, they'll go the other way. They don't want to hear it. And a lot of times they won't want to hear it anyway. But if you're their friend, you know, your, your testimony as a believer can, can, can really make a difference when they see that in your life. They feel it, they sense it. Mm. And they know something's different than mm -hmm. you. Were you planning to share your testimony with us? Just just your testimony? No, but I have <laughs> extra time, I mean, I could. Could you do that? Yeah, sure. So uh, you see that, that last sentence? Mm -hmm. Jewish people are an unreached people group. And I, and I bring that up because there's a lot of um, Christians out there who think that they don't need to share the gospel with Jewish people, and, and they are so wrong. So I hope none of you think that, especially after tonight. Um, so yeah, I'll share my testimony with you. Anybody have anything they want to say, though, before I do that? Or the Romans 9 to 11, ask? did you mean that for next week or yes, for your for week when next, you teach next? No, next week. Okay, just yeah. being sure that we're... Yeah, thanks, Michael, for clarifying that. I would, I'll share something before you do. Yeah, you go ahead. Mind. No, okay. of course not. I'll leave plenty of time for your testimony. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, but, uh, <laughs> I don't have to give it either. Um, so. No, 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 you will. Sure. Um, a couple of things I just want to encourage us with is that, um, this is on the one hand, on the other hand, as, as Chaim mentioned this, this past Shabbat, um, this is, uh, you know, this is outreach, and we're specifically talking a lot about you know, outreach to Jewish people, but you know, don't don't think of this as this is the Jewish outreach class, and then there's another outreach class. Don't. The point of the matter is a lot of the things really are applicable both ways. There are some very unique things, certainly when it comes to Jewish people. But again, it's a wide spectrum. You know, my Orthodox friend Joe, you can have detailed conversation with him about scriptures in the New Testament, and he will argue with you, and you better you know be ready and know how to answer these questions. And then there's be other people that you you could argue that won't know the New Testament from the Old Testament, they won't know Isaiah from Jim, from Bob, I mean, they won't know any of that stuff. So you can't just say, quote unquote, Jewish people across the board. So when you're learning this stuff, you know, and I hear the, we hear these questions a lot, like, you know, you're asking the magic bullet, so to speak, for a Jewish person. There's no such thing, just like there's no magic bullet for anybody. You know, so a lot of this is, is, is applicable, you know, across the spectrum of people, for sure. Um, I also want to encourage you when we talk about like the way when Judy is at the outset some of the things she was saying is it's child who's witness to a Jewish person it's it's tough isn't it and sure you you know the regular uh, secular person out there that's not Jewish 
you know, that's maybe very opposed to anything religious or spiritual, you've got that as well. Um, you know, that person might be just as hardened to what's the Bible got to do with anything. There are some unique things to Jewish people, but I think that the, the current climate nowadays, the, the way the culture is, I and mean, things are so politically correct in a sense, that don't be so intimidated thinking, oh my goodness, this is a Jewish person. You know, how this is going to be doubly hard. I mean, the fact of the matter, I think that the, the fact that things are so liberal in a sense, at least the media presents like that's some majority opinion, which we know it's not, but things are so, the, the climate is such that, you know, I went to, a, I was telling Greg this morning, I went to a prayer breakfast this morning at the governor's mansion. It was this, you know, every, from every religious faith you can think of, things you've not even heard of, was there. And, um, and the governor was there and all this stuff. And, you know, in the past, I might have thought, oh man, there's a, lot, there's a lot of Jews there too, a lot of traditional Jews. I might have thought, boy, they're, they're going to look at me, are they going to accept me? Well, there was Judaism your way. And the fact is, if you know, we got to accept everybody now, right? They can kind of work to your advantage, you know, in a sense. Like so don't, don't be so intimidated that this is a Jewish person, they're going to know so much about this. Pretty much like anyone else who's going to wonder what the Bible's about, why do you believe in God, and how do we know anything, the typical kind of stuff. So um, that's just, I want to encourage you with that. So again, we're talking about, this is, this is the Jewish, you know, keeping things in tension. We're talking about Jewish evangelism. It applies to everybody, but don't be intimidated. And the truth is, as non-Jews, you're in a much, you're in a much better position to witness the Jewish people than Judy is or I am or Chaim is. Mm -hmm. I wonder what that's about. But that's, I mean, you're, you're, you're a boy. You're a Gentile. You're supposed to be able to talk about Jesus. We're not supposed to be able to talk about right. that. Mm -hmm. So you're actually in a much better position. So, yes, here. Um, last fall, I was in physical therapy, and um, um, I was talking with my therapist, and she said she, she lived in Tel Aviv for like six months. Oh. And so I was just talking with her, and I found out she was Jewish, and so I thought, oh, good. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought, well, she'll know all this stuff because she's Jewish, you know, the yeah. typical mindset. And um, she didn't because she was raised... Um, Reforms. I think they're really liberal, mm -hmm. and she didn't know anything. <laughs> and um, so I was asking her questions, like I said, um, you know, I just asked her about the Jewish religion. She might know or she might not. And then I asked her if she knew they were dedicating the altar on December 10th. And she said, oh, where? And so I said, I said I'm not sure exactly, uh -huh. so I had to find out. But she didn't know about it, and she didn't uh -huh. care, you know. Yeah. And, um, um, I asked her other questions and she wouldn't know, mm -hmm. um, but um, it still was interesting to talk with her. And so she never pushed me off. I never talked to her about Jesus. I just mm -hmm. asked her questions. Yeah. And so I think that's a good way to approach mm -hmm. it too. Again, you've you know? got you to gotta pray for wisdom in that. And again, like Judy said, it really depends where people are, are coming from. I mean, you'd be surprised. A, a bank teller I ran into last week, I knew she's Israeli, and I happened to have a check, a Yeshua's own check one day. And, and she said, oh, she was asking about that, and, and, and she, you know, she asked about, she, she's a, goes to Chabad, you know, and very, you know, religious, but she didn't, never heard, she knew what a Messianic Jew was, you know, I'd never, never heard of that, what kind of synagogue that is, she didn't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I mean, that surprises me, but the fact yeah. is that, that kind of thing is out there, and, uh, and this is, a, this is so much to talk about, but just, you know, go into this thinking that, that, you know, it's not only a certain person you're talking to, it's a, there's, there's, what stage of their life are they at? You know what I mean? They, there's times when, you know, just because it's a Jewish person who's raised reformed doesn't mean that they're at the stage of, you know, they, they may be at a different stage of life than another Jewish person who's reformed who can, who's ready to hear something who's not. So um, we can go on and on with that, but I do want to, I want to, you can share your, your, okay. your, your Listen, any, any, any other questions? 
Not in the same night, it'd be too much. <laughs> Which one would you rather hear, mine or his? Because I never heard his, so I'd like to hear his. Okay, I'll share mine. All right, well, um, I was brought up in the synagogue. My father was Jewish and my mother wasn't. And I grew up in New York, so I had a lot of Catholic friends because there's everything in New York. And all the neighborhoods are, well, some neighborhoods are more Jewish and more Italian, that kind of thing. But we come in contact with each other. And my neighborhood was very mixed. So one of my best friends growing up was Catholic. And she used to come home from catechism class and tell me everything she learned. So I was exposed to a lot as a child. And as a matter of fact, I, um, it's funny because my dad used to drag me to synagogue. And a lot of times I didn't want to go. And there were a couple of reasons why. Number one, my mother didn't go. And in my synagogue, the men and the women said, sat separately, <clears throat> and I had two brothers. So my brothers and my dad sat on one side, and I sat on the other side all by myself, and I was a little girl. And I, was, I really didn't like it, and then everything was pretty much, every, a lot of the service was Hebrew. Mm -hmm. The portions that we read every week in my synagogue, they read the whole thing, yes. all of it, and it was all Hebrew. So I would sit there, and I didn't know what they were saying, I mean, I heard the prophet's names, which was kind of good because later on, when I heard Isaiah, it actually meant something to me. <laughs> um, but I didn't really like going a lot of the time, and the services were really long because we read the whole portion, mm. and the Haftorah too, and um, I would sit there and read the prayer book in English, and it was full of psalms. So when I got saved and I started reading psalms, it was familiar to me. Was, that was kind of cool. So anyway, um, I went to synagogue probably until I was around 11 or 12, and then the neighborhood changed. A lot of the Jewish people moved away, and we didn't have enough people for a synagogue anymore, so the synagogue closed. That was the end of my attending synagogue. But I used to go to Hebrew school. I actually learned how to read Hebrew when I was little, and then I forgot it all, so I had to relearn. I'm relearning it now. Um, and so I was exposed to Catholicism, and sometimes I would go, like on a Saturday, my Catholic friends would go to confession in the Catholic Church, and I would just sit there in the pew while they did their confession. <laughs> and um, once one of the priests said something really nasty to me that I didn't like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I would see the crucifixion, and, and I didn't relate to it at all. It was foreign to me. And so, anyway, stopped going to synagogue. Became a teenager, went to college, got kind of, you know how you know how young people are, they think they know everything, thought I knew everything, took a lot of like religious classes at college, like Indian Indian religion and the Eastern religions, and I learned about that. And I came to the conclusion conclusion that, nah, there's no God and you know, you just have to choose your own thing. And that was that. And I wasn't a bad person, but I wasn't a real good person either. And I graduated college, and um, I had this boyfriend, and it was a really bad thing, and I shouldn't have been with him. And finally, I broke up with him, and my brother had moved to Florida, so I went to visit him and his family. He had a wife and two kids at the time. And we used to do things together a lot. We used to smoke pot together, and you know. I mean, we didn't do anything really bad, but. <laughs> so I went down there and I thought, oh, we can, you know, we can do that again. And they didn't have any interest in it. And they were praying before they ate, and they never used to do that. And then they started giving me these little funny looking pamphlets. 
and they were tracks. Do you guys know what tracks are? Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And I'd never seen a track before. And it just looked weird to me, and I didn't want to read it, so I didn't. And then they were going to this messianic synagogue. And they took me there a couple of times. And then my brother gave me a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. And it's really funny because I've heard from a lot of Jewish people around my age who got saved in the 70s that they got saved from reading that book. <laughs> so I wasn't the only one. So anyway, I read the book. And it, you know, it talks about um, prophecy and how prophecy was fulfilled sometimes 500 years after it was written and very specific details. And I, that was like, um, what's that guy, Nostradamus in, in Russia? That was like along those lines, like, wow, but this was God doing it. And I thought, that's amazing. And it really happened. Like, Nostradamus, he predicted a lot of things. I don't know how many of them came true. But this stuff came true. It was, it, it was just amazing to me. Then all of a sudden, I started thinking, maybe God is real. Maybe I was wrong to reject him. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe I was being arrogant to say there's no God. And then, I don't know, all, the only thing I could say is the Holy Spirit started to work on me. And I started feeling bad about my sinfulness. And um, at that time, in the 70s, that there was this movie out, um, Left Behind. Mm -hmm. And there's been more modern versions of it since, but this was the original. And um, they took me to the Messianic synagogue, and they made me watch that movie. <laughs> and I mean, it was all weird to me, because I wasn't spiritual at all. And then my brother said to me, and I, I was close to my brother and his family, and he said, you know, someday the rapture's going to happen, and we're all going to be gone, and you're going to be left behind. And I almost started crying. <laughs> like, no, you can't leave me. And then... I can't remember exactly how it came about, but I ended up getting baptized. And I was only there for 10 days. So all this happened in a wow. span. Yeah. So I got baptized in my brother's pool. And they talked a lot about Jesus. But I really it didn't quite, I didn't quite get it. But when I but something happened to me spiritually, definitely. And when I went home, I had a Bible that was sitting on my shelf that my mother's brother was a vicar, which is like a pastor in England. And when I was born, he sent me a Bible. And I never looked at it. I never had any reason to. So when I went home, I thought, I'm going to look at that Bible. So I got the Bible out, and I used to um, travel for like an hour and a half each way back and forth to work. So I started reading, and I started in the Gospels. And, you know, because of the Catholic stuff that I knew and the Jewish stuff I knew, like, first I was blown away. This is all Jewish stuff in here. These are Jewish people. And then, you know, when I started reading the stories about Yeshua's life and the things he did, it's like, oh, now I get it. And I understood it. And it all just made so much sense to me. And that's, I think, when I really and truly was saved, because that's when I put my faith in Yeshua and, and his saving work. Um, so that's how I got saved. And then I started changing, and it was weird. It was really weird. It was, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm different now. I don't know. I don't know if I like it. And, you know, I had friends that they weren't believers, and so all of a sudden I was acting, I was interested in spiritual things, and I, I wanted to be good, not, you know, get rid of the bad <laughs> habits I had. And um, I just felt really out of place. 
and I, I, didn't, I felt like I didn't fit in anymore. I really didn't know any believers at the time, except for the people I had met in Florida. So I, I felt very alone, and I started thinking, um, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. I want to go back to the way it was before. And I tried. I couldn't. It didn't work. And it was like I found the truth. And when you know the truth, you can't turn your back on it unless you can lie to yourself. And so that was it. I, I was a believer then and been one ever since. Yay. It's been a long time. Great. <laughs> I find in New York, even to this day, you don't find many messianic. No, and I worked in Manhattan, and I remember one day I was walking down the street, and there were these Jews for Jesus people, and they oh, were right. handing out their the pamphlets. And I, I was so excited that there were other Jews believed in Jesus. <laughs> I couldn't believe I was so excited. And then um, I did actually find a Messianic congregation that was not real close to where I live, but I started attending there. But you were, you're right. There wasn't, there wasn't much. And when you go back, I go back now. I have to travel to Manhattan or Long Island. Yep. Yep. That's where I went, Long Island. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's all discouraging. People who are curious to go and like, like people do come to our congregation curious. Yeah. And then, you know, our prayer is part of our attendance and our prayer for the day is to bring a Jew in. And sometimes they'll come and they'll see, you know, Jew Yeshua, or, and they'll leave mm -hmm. because they feel so faithful to their mm -hmm. heritage. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's hard. Yeah. So yeah. how did your father respond? Oh, um, I witnessed to my father. I mean, right after I got saved, I told him, mm. and he's that way. You know, <laughs> he didn't want to listen to that. And but he wasn't—he wasn't hostile because he married a Gentile, mm. so he couldn't be hostile to me. <laughs> but he—he he wasn't buying it. That's for sure. <laughs> and um, I witnessed to him a lot over the years. Mm. And I'll never forget—I shared Isaiah 53 with him once. And I just read it to him, and I said, well, what do you think of that? And he said, well, that's that's describing Jesus. Like, wow. it was so obvious to him. He <laughs> saw it right away. And I said, well, it's in the, it's in the Jewish Bible, Dad. And um, I think that got to him. And um, it's kind of a long story, but um, I'm fairly certain that he knew the Lord when he died. I'm not positive, but fairly but certain. another brother, too. Yeah. And is he a believer? Yeah. Well, the one that led me to the Lord is. The other one is not. It's not. Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you all for coming tonight. And I hope you come back thank to hear you. Bill next thank week. You. Thanks. Thank you, Judy. You're welcome. And um, I mean, Judy's done a lot of this. Which this is not just conjecture. She's definitely spoken to a lot of people. And... Um, and same with Dr. Bjorker next week, I encourage you to come to hear him because he's in a very Jewish area of L.A. and he's been other places in the world as well. And, and, and I don't know, I know he's going to probably share his, his uh, experience with Israelis possibly or a Jew. Yeah. Um, and he may or may not do the kind of Bible, you know, storytelling that he story does. But <laughs> no, no, it. I don't think he's going to do not that. Really? Okay. Mm -mm. So that just, but that's kind of, he has a background in, in that, just kind of making the scriptures very like an inductive Bible study verbally. That's a very neat thing. But in any event, I'd recommend you coming back. Whatever you talk about will be good because again, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of experience, and he's doing this all day long, every day. So. And read Romans nine to eleven. Yes, please. <laughs> Michael, would you close us in prayer? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this time that we could 
talk about these different concepts, and we thank you, Lord, for your word that was also read tonight. We pray that we would get more into your word so that we would learn what you want us to know. And we most importantly pray, Lord, for the relationships you want to bring our way, Lord, that we can impact both Jew and Gentile. We thank you for Judy and the labor that she did to prepare tonight and for her testimony. We pray, Lord, that uh, everybody would be drawn back here safely on Shabbat. And we give you much honor and glory for what took place tonight. Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen.